0: on the next episode of Melodramatic Hospital. Doctor, hurry quick. There's a bunch of people, and they're not looking
1: too hot. What's the problem today?
0: Oh, wait till you'll see.
1: Okay, take me to their rooms.
0: Well, we got this, gal. Something happened around the 405
1: i was just driving to my appointment at the lizard farm and then bam there's a sex doll on the ground and there's three middle schoolers that looks like they witnessed a murder and and now i have a hunk of metal sticking out of my arm and now i just want to be swaddled in a warm blanket and can can we up those opioids a little bit i just it's gonna make me feel better
0: come on doc we gotta hurry we got a real douche in the next room but you might like him given that romantic storyline of yours back in season three
1: all right, I guess let's see.
0: Sir, sir, tell the doctor your problem. Well, you know,
2: I was in my fraternity house just having my afternoon inhale of mold spores. And my buddy Chad was gonna sell these sixth graders some, some molly, you know, par for the course for a typical Wednesday. And then they whipped out a paintball gun and shot us all. I thought I was gonna have to drop kick a middle schooler. So yeah, I'm also here for those opioids.
1: All right, like, let's get, let's get a bandage on him. I'll come back and check on him once he's been stitched up.
0: We'll be right back. Doctor, you gotta come to this next room. Okay, let's go, let's go. Sir, what happened to your hair? Yeah, so I was eating my chili cheese dog, just hanging out in the park, you know, watching the Sox game on the TV, and then all of a sudden, this drone just comes flying out of nowhere. Now my my hot dog is chopped up into bits, now my mustache, now my hair do, and it's just all terrible. Oh, and I lost my thumb as well, and currently the end of my hot dog is replacing it, so if that could be fixed, that'd be much appreciated, Doc. And some opioids would be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. More opioids, please. Thank you. Did somebody say opioids? Yeah, let me. I, I got more coming. Don't you worry. And maybe another hot dog?
1: Oh, why did those drug reps come here in the first place?
0: Melodramatic Hospital. They got all the opioids and all the drama. But mostly opioids. The opioid crisis is a real thing. Call your senators today. Anyway, a podcast is coming next. Ooh. All right, I don't know if we're going to be catching that hospital drama, but boy does it have drama. Anyway, what doesn't have drama is this episode of Son of a Ginger cuz we're talking comedies. We're talking Good Boys and I'm Patrick Baylor. I'm Mason Moreau.
2: But you know, you also never know, we could have some serious drama on this show.
1: Ooh. We're all very dramatic we people. We air
0: out our grievances on air.
1: I'm Beth Marcinko
0: And you're pretty dramatic, too I mean, we're all dramatic I don't know
1: Uh, You're probably more dramatic than me, Patrick
0: You're right, I am very dramatic But what wasn't dramatic was this flick, Good Boys It's a comedy, a good studio comedy I don't know if it's best comedy of the summer But it is helping out Universal They had, like, a streak of number one movies After some Hobbs and Shaw in And now we got some Good Boys in Might as well be the younger version of Hobbs and Shaw, right? These guys were fast, these guys were furious Furious? They were furious. They were furious. They were fast and furious.
1: (laughs) Fast and furiously masturbating.
0: Oh, oh my. (laughs) That's the best way to describe being a tween, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) At least in the eyes of this film. Because this film was fun, but it was very raunchy. Uh, We had a lot of cuss words, a lot of F words. Are
1: F words different than cuss words, Patrick?
0: Yes, according to my mom. And we had a lot of uh, scary situations involving tweens, which was, I believe, in the MPAA rating of this R-rated film. Yes,
2: yeah. It it said scary situations involving tweens or
0: something. Like crude or inappropriate situations involving tweens. Something like that. But these tweens
1: were good. I enjoyed these tweens. Did you enjoy these tweens, guys? I definitely enjoyed these tweens, but not in a creepy way.
0: Yeah, in a we respect how you act and are able to tell jokes kind of way. This is a family-friendly show. It? I enjoyed the performances of the actors. And we had some actors. We had Jacob Tremblay. Did he win an Oscar? He's an Oscar nominee. He nominated. Nominated for Room. Won. And then we had our friend uh, Keith Williams, who I, at least I know from Last Man on Earth. But he's you know one of those actors that kind of keeps on creeping in things. And then, I don't know if he's a newcomer or not, but Brady Noon as Thor. Who's got some pipes. This kid can sing.
2: They auto-tuned the crap out of
0: him. What are you talking about? Well, they made it appear like he could sing to where I said it until you told me that.
1: So it fooled me. (laughs) The kid's Post Malone. (laughs) Post Malone. Regardless, it was super fun to watch. I had fun. And I...
0: Didn't know what to expect with this film because this was like a heavily marketed film. Lots of trailers that kind of leaned on, it's all these kids saying bad words and doing bad things and then showing some of those gags in the trailers and the promos. But you never knew what it was about until, at least I didn't know what it was about until I sat down. And this film was about these three kids starting middle school. They're sixth graders. They're you know trying to be cool. Then they, I forget why they want to play with the drone, but they want to play with their dad's drone that they're not supposed to touch.
1: They want to use the drone so that, they- they can learn how to kiss from the girl next door and her boyfriend. That's
0: right, because they get invited to a kissing party. They have no idea how to kiss. And then they look at a, a neighborhood couple doing some kissing. Well, they try to. Try to. And
1: then it all goes awry. It all try goes awry. a few awry. things
0: first. Yeah, they do a <laughs> couple things. They kiss Thor's parents' sex doll. <laughs> they learn a few things, but in a broad stroke, then the drone gets lost. The high school girls have it. And most of the film is them trying to get this drone back and not get in trouble from Max's dad, so they can go to this kissing party and be cool guy middle schoolers and know how to kiss, basically is the film, right?
2: Yeah. And, you know, this movie was very much marketed like a movie I roll my eyes at when I see the trailer, right? Mm -hmm. It's just one of those movies that you see and you're like, I know exactly what they're doing. They're going to pull a lot of cheap jokes and have have them involve kids so that the comedy is heightened or whatever and it's it's really just completely lifeless but this movie had way more heart than it had any right to have. You know, we talked coming out of the theater how derivative the plot of this movie was from superbad. It's it's the same thing. Mhm. And it it's the same theme as well. Three friends who are all moving on to this next point in their lives and realizing that they're all going separate directions and trying to grapple with the fact that they, they don't want to get rid of what they have. But I think that it was more effective than super bad because they were kids having to deal with this. Maybe one of the first adult situations that they really end up having to experience, which is losing friends and gaining new ones or friendships changing and evolving in ways that you didn't expect
0: them to.
1: Mm-hmm. And I think that they parallel how adult that situation can feel very well when they wrap it up in that.
0: Yeah. But yeah, before that, we kind of, you know, see them go along their way and figure out those differences. We see a lot of those differences between the main three and all the differences I think worked really well. You know, Max was kind of this golden boy and by golden boy, child actor, Jacob Tremblay. And he was, I think, a perfect lead. But then, you know, we have, he's not the bad boy, but you know, he's going to want to appear as the bad boy with Thor. And then we have the more nervous kid with Lucas. I think we've all had friendships like that. Hey, whether now, I mean, yeah. what What are the three of us right now? <laughs>
2: I'd be a blend of Lucas and Thor. Yeah, I don't think any of us can specifically identify with one of the characters because they're they're crafted in a way that you identify with all three of them in different ways.
0: But because of all those differences and them being like 12 years old, we see them go through all these teed up over comedic situations. And because these characters, I think, were well crafted early on, it played up the comedy even more when they find themselves hanging out with a sex doll or trying to sell a sex doll to someone on the internet. Or go into a fraternity. That I felt their uncomfortability being in many of these adult situations for the very first time.
2: They really, really exhausted the innocence angle. They, yeah. you know, they milked it for all of it was worth. You know, the youthful innocence.
1: But I never felt like that milking of that was out of place. I felt like it hit pretty much every time because they kept the tone consistent and they kept kind of the things that they knew and didn't know on par with each other.
2: You think about another movie where this movie is absolutely terrible, but Baby Geniuses, you ever see that movie? Baby Geniuses? You never saw that movie? No,
0: I've seen Baby Geniuses and I'll still say it now. Like I watched this when I had zero taste. That is still my least favorite movie. That movie pissed me off. Yeah, it's it's so bad. And you know why? It's because they try to convince you
2: that these babies are smarter than adults And that is the comedy is that truthfully, these babies, they're still babies and they still act like babies, but they're really at the intelligence level of adults. Coming back to this movie, they never lose the intelligence of a sixth grader. Yes. Mm -hmm. They never appear to be smarter or more mature for the sake of a joke than they would be realistically. Yeah. Which I think you can tell that the screenplay was written to make sure that that was an important part that remained consistent throughout the movie.
1: And I wonder if the person who wrote the screenplay either has like a child or has maybe a sibling who's about that age and had somebody who they could, you know, maybe lean on in terms of tone for that. Because if not, they just were full on brilliant with how they were able to convey how much a person that age now is exposed to.
0: And this was written by Gene Sputnitsky and Lee Eisenberg, who are known for doing Bad Teacher and Hello Ladies. And I believe both got started on The Office. So uh, okay. they have that experience with at least the awkward part in adult situations. And it was like Bad Teacher, maybe some of that just general school dynamic. And I think they meshed with everything that they had worked. And maybe these guys were these goofball kids. I mean, I could definitely relate to a lot of the just the sixth graderisms in the movie whether it be like sipping beer or just not knowing. I mean, the fact that they just type in boobs. I I think that was a Google search of mine or two when I was a wee 11 or 12-year-old. Boobs.com. (laughs)
2: Boobs.com?
0: Yeah, this movie was, for
2: me, it was certainly like a laugh a minute. Like, I missed some jokes because I was laughing at the last one. And when you mentioned The Office, I think there were plenty of times in this movie where the comedic timing was so similar to The Office, where they know directly when to do the setup and exactly when to do the punchline to optimize for, like, effective comedy. Mm Mm-hmm. And I left the theater and my cheeks hurt. It was, mm-hmm. it was fantastic. Have we said it enough? It was way better than it had any right to be.
0: August is a good time, I think, to put out like originals, I guess, after being just bombarded with superhero film here and sequel there and another Fast and Furious 11 there or whatever.
1: And Disney remakes
0: abound. And yeah, after having our third Disney remake this year already. Yeah, I want something fresh. And this was fresh. And it was cool to see an original comedy both do well financially, but genuinely make me laugh because we talked about The Hangover, for example. I did not enjoy The Hangover that much. That was one where I felt like they were hitting the jokes on the top of my head, in my opinion. This one, I think, was well set up. And maybe it was just funny seeing kids. I could relate more to these kids than thirty-year-old Vegas 30-year-olds 30 on a bachelor party because I hadn't done that before. But I have lived an awkward life as a sixth grader. So maybe that's why I liked it.
2: So let's unpack this a little bit. Unpack. Which one do you think is the more original film? This one or The Hangover?
0: Oh. mm.
2: Because I would say it's The Hangover.
0: I guess technically The Hangover. Yeah, because we, you mentioned Superbad. This was kids going to do something to get to a party has been done before. In a very broad stroke right there. But premise wise. Very different films, I'd say. But maybe just how this was presented to me. I liked it more. This is a film from 2008 and a film from 2019. So there's been growth regardless. These kids may have not have been born then. No, well, <laughs> I
2: agree with you there. Like The Hangover definitely has some jokes that like even though it's around a decade old it still it has some jokes that don't hold up.
1: Aged uh, so poorly. Very much yeah.
2: right before the the era of
0: wokeness that yeah. we find ourselves in now. People were waking up. Yeah. And this was a woke movie cuz I loved all the positive consent jokes. Yes yeah they those are so, so tender and nice, and what are young people need to be seeing? I don't think any young person's actually watching this movie, but they'll grow up to see it, and that's positive messaging. Consent is good, everyone,
2: yeah, and it, I think if this movie goes to prove anything is that gratuitously vulgar comedies still have a place in this
0: new sort of era of acceptance and empathy,
1: yeah, I totally agree and.
0: To get more into the wokeness, so we mentioned the positive consent jokes. A lot of those were from Keith Williams' character, Lucas, and we briefly talked about how they were so well at playing off of each other. But these guys sold it immediately. Jacob Tremblay, great actor, and we already knew that going in, but it was a great ensemble and I enjoy how they played off of each other. And I don't know how we're going to see child comedic actors grow because... If we've learned anything from child actors, no one knows what is going to happen once they become adults. But I would like to see these guys, you know, keep popping up in things. I think they did well with their current characters. I don't know how they'll bring more of those characters and, bring more of themselves into the next thing. Yeah, I think the
2: question I have is how much did they explain to these kids when they were giving these performances? Like, did they have to explain to them what a sex doll was and what anal beads are and what a sex swing is? Or did they just kind of leave it vague so that they could just say their lines and it'd be funny to adults, but to these kids, these child actors, they really don't know the full extent of why this is funny. You know what I mean? And it that might've helped to play up the comedy a little bit. You know what I mean? Like when they truly don't know what's going on.
1: You have to think and like wonder which adults in these kids' lives are reading this and either putting them out for this role or, you know, saying, all right, we're going to have a talk about what some of these things are or (laughs) what questions do you have, Jacob Tremblay? Like, for some
0: reason, I imagine Jacob Tremblay just being like this already grizzled season actor. He's smoking cigarettes, wearing aviators, be like, yeah, this is the first pair of anal beads I've seen. Oh, no, that's horrifying. And, and then when they yell action, oh, it's just me, Jacob Tremblay. Oh, room. Hey, Brie Larson. Or like they're at
2: that age where they're rebelling against their parents. They're like, mom, remember when I found your anal beads?
0: Well now I'm doing a movie about it, and we're making fun of it. and Guess what? I stole them and now the prop master has them and we're going to show you for the terrible pervert you are, mom. Take that. <laughs>
1: oh my god. The few times that those kids like held the anal beads near their face and they were like, there's something wrong with these. Like, like they're that get those pink were guy. exactly. Oh my god. Those were the like some of the funniest moments to me because I have my hands like to my temples just like freaking out. I'm like, no. I just
0: like felt the awkward tension. Yeah,
2: they take every opportunity to show you that they're still middle schoolers. Like, for instance, when they get in their like final climactic fight where they're all just arguing, all three of them spontaneously start hysterically crying, just like any kid would do when they get overwhelmed with emotion.
0: Because they literally don't have emotions that they can process yet. So I mean whether you you're five months or 15 or 13, whatever, you're going to be crying.
1: I literally wrote down, now we're arguing and now we're all crying. And I just thought it was so middle school. It's such a time to be emotionally unstable because you're going (laughs) through all these changes and you don't know what's happening and your interests are evolving, whether you're becoming sexually interested in people or you're becoming interested in things that are weird or different than like your friends are interested in. It's just such a time of transition transition and growth. And it's so fun to watch these kids go through this like heightened, comedically dramatic situation and come out on the other side. It was such a treat.
0: So many treats. We again talked earlier about it, but the treats of the general one liners and just all the jokes a minute. Do y'all have a favorite? We had a lot. So I don't know if y'all wrote any down. The joke
2: that initially sold me on the premise of this movie was when they go into the woods with the air quotes cool kid and they're going to go drink a beer and they find out that the legendary kid wasn't able to make it past three sips. (laughs) And then they like crack open a beer and this kid Atticus takes a swig of the beer and he's like, I can feel it already. (laughs) I knew where this movie was going the minute I heard that line. I was like, whoever wrote this... Understands the comedy that comes
0: out of some twelve-year-old trying to appear badass. Oh my god, that definitely happened with kids we knew in like early high school, and then the same kids that I knew from middle school. Absolutely, and just bragging about some little dumb thing.
2: I I stole one of
0: my dad's Smirnoff screwdrivers, and
2: I had five sips, and oh man,
0: I was so fucked up.
1: Oh, I'm so wasted. I like ah. Oh. <laughs>
0: It was crazy. I couldn't see the walls. They were purple and polka dot and it was a wild time. You had to be there, man. <laughs> yeah, I drank one while I was
2: doing my homework and I didn't even finish. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Pat, what what was your favorite joke or one-liner from the movie?
0: So we we talk about
1: the Atticus kid. The scooter squad guy
0: scooter squad oh yeah he was the
1: lead of the scooter squad
0: oh he was the leader of the scooter squad so he was like barely in the movie but like he was like this very respected guy but then someone would just throw in like a line of disrespect and I think my favorite one was the shut up Atticus everyone knows your mom plagiarized your cookbook
1: what (laughs) so good and the first two burns were about Atticus's dad getting like a DUI. Yeah. Who were like, his dad got two DUIs. And now he has to take the bus to work.
0: <laughs> Atticus comes from a problem home, I guess. Like, <laughs> Yeah, make him
2: a tragic character, sort of. It, like, <laughs> they give the bully a tragic backstory. And now you're just like, oh, I, you know, I guess that's why he acts that way.
1: And his name is Atticus. Atticus. Also, can just briefly, there are no like quote unquote normal kid names in this movie. Which
0: is half the joke, I'd say, because these are Gen Zers, or even lower than Gen Z. Yeah, Brixley and Oberlin and Tinsley and Trefanthely. That sounded like a drug. Trefanthely? Yeah. Call today if Trefanthely is making your urine blood.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) The alchemy.
0: Yeah, you know, I have to... (laughs) We want them to be unique when they have roll call. They won't get beat up at all.
1: That's the thing I think. I think it's a bunch of moms who are named like Rachel and Emily and dads who are named Matt and Ben. And they're like, there were 18 of us in my homeroom alone. You know, I don't want my kid to be confused with other kids. They gotta be unique. I can't have Amber F, then Amber
0: P, and then Amber W, but she doesn't go to school all the time, so no one really calls her name anyway.
1: So as much as I also like really enjoyed all these kids' names, I loved the little like slip-ups that they had, kind of, where they were talking about being social piranhas. Oh my god. Um, and just those, those little things where kids hear things that adults say, and they try to emulate them to be more grown-up. And... Just, they just miss it a little bit, but it makes it so good and so funny.
0: It helped sell that we were watching a movie about sixth graders. We're not watching any baby geniuses. Right. It's It was a thoughtful addition,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that if you could describe the script for this movie in one word, it'd be thoughtful.
0: And like in this thoughtfulness, we have like every like little innocent social piranha moment there. But then it was like funny because... As a twelve-year-old, I also knew lots of cuss words, but then wouldn't say them. They kind of like flew it around a lot in this movie, though. Like they knew, like they knew how to say the f word, they knew how to say every other word, but maybe not the context of it. So, how innocent were these kids? They know every cuss word, but then they don't know what a sex swing or a dildo or, or that's what happens if you have a stepmom. After their one Google search, I think.
2: What sells it, going back to this, is that we know that they are innocent,
1: mm-hmm. but
2: they don't think they are. Mm-hmm. Mm. Right? Even though in the movie they'll be like, we're just 12 years old or whatever, right? They're saying it because they're being manipulative,
1: uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm.
2: When they drop the F bomb, they're trying to peacock in a way. They're trying to sort of perform.
1: It's that performativeness of like being a grown up and grown ups curse. And I've only ever heard grown ups say these words. And so this is what an adult would do, you know, an adult would curse at this other kid or use the word in the situation Mm -hmm. or whatever. And I think it's knowledge versus intent. Yeah. Right. Ooh. Hmm.
0: Okay. Okay. (laughs) So that being said, like this remind you of your younger selves when you were peacocking and trying to be the cool kid. I was just a brace face kid that tried to be seen in a very small school, but I know I wasn't successful. I don't know about you guys.
1: I definitely relate to the type of performativeness that these kids are doing. I was never like the cool kid. I don't, you know, I don't even really know like who the cool kids were, quote unquote. But I also went to a relatively small school and a lot of the kids I had gone to school with since we were in kindergarten. And I think that these kids' relationship in the movie was kind of similar to the relationship that I had with some of the people I went to school with. I wouldn't say that a lot of them were maybe my best friends, like these three guys were. But you just knew a lot about them because you had gone to school with them for so long. Mm-hmm and they keep touching upon
0: that in the movie of just like oh yeah are you guys friends because your parents are friends or you live near each other well we're friends because we're friends but yeah all of that too right okay i have a story
2: this one could have been lifted right out of this movie okay when i was in 7th grade we had a teacher for the sake of the story i'm going to call her miss dean okay right she her name was not miss dean but she was our science teacher and she was writing something on the board and she like dropped the dry erase marker and she bends over and you see the whale tail of a of a thong coming out of the back of her pants. Oh no. And so we all like, we all just kind of chuckled and looked at each other like, oh, never seen one of those before or whatever, right? We all just kind of like snickered. And then this one kid, after the class was over, we were in our, in the hallway getting books from our lockers, whatever. This kid walks up and he goes, Do you see Miss
0: Dean's G-strap? G strap. <laughs> that's right, right? <laughs> that must be right. It's a G strap. Yeah. It had the letter G on it. It's strapped around. So Mason, that sounds like it would be a deleted scene, honestly. That's this movie, right?
2: Yeah, that's exactly what happened, and it seems like the setup for a joke in this movie. Right? Yeah. And it, but in this movie, there'd be callbacks to it
0: throughout the hour and a half runtime. And they were so successful with yeah, the callbacks, and we're, we're giving this movie a little bit too much praise now, but this was a successful film. And it ended well. We saw all these guys' differences, and there was a nice montage with the singing of Brady Noon as Thor, singing some Rock of Ages, and as we see a montage of them going their separate ways, but they're still friends. And then they act like they're in their 30s instead of in their early tweens. But again, they played that comedy up well. As well.
1: And there's still that cokehead drama teacher in the background. Oh my God,
0: I forgot about him. <laughs> what a what a good side character. <laughs> they just added that really quick.
1: I know. And he's like, I switched it up from my time in Hollyweird. Hollyweird.
0: Holly weird, <laughs> We're running out of time, but they also play the adults really well. Like Lil Rel and Retta alone as Lucas's parents. Like, wonderful. They had like two or three scenes and... Fantastic. Hilarious subtext to like everything they
2: were saying whenever mm-hmm. they were on screen. Will Forte was just this like brash father who's way too open, which is similar to Eugene Levy in American Pie, but it's still
0: great. It sounds like any other Will Forte character, to be honest, right? Yeah.
1: It reminds me of Fred Armisen's character in Big Mouth.
0: Oh, sure. Okay. Yeah, maybe a little bit of Nick's dad in Big Mouth and then a little bit of Eugene Levy in American Pie. That sounds like a good pairing awkward dads yeah he he played this awkward dad well but then he was good at being a a mad dad too good boys more like bad boys in my opinion but you know what's not bad our podcast mason tell what we got you can check out our podcast anywhere you get
2: your podcasts and also when you're on one of those services feel free to go in and click through and give us a five-star review that helps us out it bumps us up on charts and helps with search and stuff if you want me to make a podcast about SEO, I don't think I will. But <laughs> maybe I'll hire some crass middle schoolers to come up with some words so that we can tag these
0: podcasts efficiently.
1: Right, we'll get those emerging keywords from from the middle schoolers.
0: Right, and we also have some not that crass of content, fairly family friendly content on our new Instagram page at Son of a Ginger Podcast. Wait, nope. so you're telling me I shouldn't have posted my on this story? Take it off now, <laughs>
1: Mason. We talked about this
0: just want everyone to see. <laughs> Are you proud? I'm Are you proud, proud of
2: this, Mason? <laughs> I put my in a hot dog bun, and I wanted to show everyone.
0: Hey, is that my dog that I've been looking for? <laughs> <laughs> There's my chili dog! Well, chili dogs and chili dogettes, this has been Son of a Ginger. I'm Patrick Baylor. I'm Beth Marsinko.
2: And I'm Mason Maroon. I didn't actually do any of that with my genitals. Please don't believe it.
0: Do you want to re-record that part? No, I don't know if you wanna <laughs> No. <laughs> okay.
1: Sounds like Mason's doing the outro this week. Are you sure, Mason? Sure.
2: Last time once upon a time in Hollywood episode, I put a rubber pistol up my <laughs> and my grandfather listened to it. <laughs>